Please be seated. And good morning. Hello. Uh, happy Easter tide. We are in a series called Secure. We're looking at gospel promises for anxious times. And um, last week's sermon was from the Gospel of Matthew. The rest of these sermons will be from the book of First Peter. So I encourage you to turn there now, First Peter 1. Three through nine. It's printed in your bulletins. You can also turn there in your Bibles. Uh, over the weekend, I happened to be up at 3.30 a.m. and made the mistake of checking my email. You ever done that? It's like, why am I doing this? And there was a notice from my tax accountant. And, I, and it went like this, quote, Aaron, as it stands now, you have a hefty tax bill. And I was like, what? Hefty? Hefty is a stressful adjective for 3.30 a.m. And ambiguous. What does hefty mean exactly? So I, I, the next day I asked her to clarify the specific amount. And it, and it was like not nearly as bad as I thought. It was like, oh, yeah, that's what we expected. That's not what I would call hefty. But I learned my lesson. Don't check your email at 3.30 a.m. When was the last time you got news impacting your finances? Maybe it was a letter from your landlord. Hello, tenants. The rent is going up again. Or maybe it was the credit card statement letting you know how much it costs for you to buy eggs and gasoline. Or maybe it was an announcement from the Cook County's assessor's office. Congratulations. From our perspective, the value of your home has skyrocketed. And so have your property taxes. Financial strain and often financial news can be very stressful. In fact, this past Tuesday, uh, CNBC published a study showing that 70% of respondents admit to being stressed about their finances. The Apostle Peter was an early church pastor to people who had every reason to be financially stressed. Uh, many in his flock had been literally removed from their land that they owned and uh, forcibly exiled to other parts of the Roman Empire to establish Roman colonies. And so the uh, finances that they had, which was bound up in their land, was taken from them. Now others in his congregation were bondservants, and they were living at the mercy of their employers. In the Roman world in the first century, you know, finances was a lot more, believe it or not, insecure and unstable than in our world. And yet, Peter had very good news for this congregation who were financially stressed. And he's got good news for all of us who are experiencing financial stress as well. And here's the good news. God is guarding and growing an inheritance for us to enjoy. God is guarding and he's growing an inheritance for all of us. And we can enjoy it now. Peter's heart, you can just see it overflowing in this passage, as he's running his fingers through the treasures of the inheritance that we have, he's saying, blessed be God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, because he knows that this inheritance that we have, that God is guarding for us and growing inside of us is available for us to enjoy now and that nothing, nothing can take away this inheritance from us. And here's why this matters. God offers to turn temporary stress 
into lasting joy because of this truth. Um, temporary financial stress, the Lord can actually turn that, transform that into lasting joy. So let's learn about this inheritance that God has for us. First, that God is guarding our inheritance. Looking at 1 Peter 1, verses 3, verse 3. Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Notice the phrase in verse 3 that he, the Father, has caused us to be born again into a living hope. Much of our life depends on the family we are born into. Isn't that true? That we actually don't get to choose the family we're born into. We're born into a nationality, into a language, into eating a type of food, into enjoying a level of privilege or hardship depending on the family we're born into. Now imagine being adopted into a different family or being born again into a different family with an entirely different trajectory. One with more resources and privileges than you've ever known before. Uh, many of us are familiar with a story like this. Uh, if you've ever seen the musical or seen the movie Annie, several iterations of it, Annie's parents abandon her uh, and she's in an orphanage. She endures harsh treatment from Miss Hannigan, who runs the orphanage with an iron fist. Annie dresses in rags. She chokes down cold mush for breakfast. She mops floors all day instead of going to school. But by twist of fate, Annie meets Daddy Warbucks. And Daddy Warbucks is a wealthy magnet who's harsh at first. He's kind of hardened and harsh. But Annie melts his heart over Christmas. And Daddy Warbucks begins to treat her as his own daughter. He treats her like a queen. He, in fact, rescues her from the orphanage. He, he lavishes on her delicious food and um, a new dress. And you just get this sense that Daddy Warbucks' heart is like overflowing for Annie. He loves to lavish this on her. He loves to adopt her. He doesn't begrudge any gift. The story of Annie is kind of a concrete illustration of someone who's impoverished. They're born into poverty, but then they're born again into a new family with new privileges, and into a living hope. Our inheritance, like our life, begins with God the Father. When we turn to his son Jesus and to his son's death and resurrection, God the Father adopts us as his own. And we're born into a family with a living hope. And God the Father has a merciful and gracious heart towards us. He's really glad to lavish upon us great gifts Every gift that he has to give, he wants to overflow for us. And he loves to lavish upon us a secure inheritance. But what is the nature of this inheritance exactly? Well, verse 4 tells us a little bit about it. That we've been born again, verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. This inheritance is imperishable. You can't destroy or kill this inheritance. For instance, part of the inheritance that we have is a resurrected body. If we're in Christ, he will one day raise up the body that we have, and he will fill this body with vitality and beauty and health and glory. 
Not only that, we will be given a community of people that will never die. Death and sin will never corrupt or destroy the community of people, the community of saints that are around the throne. We will enjoy forever adventures with them, inheritance with them. We will be secure with them and death will never take them away. There'll be no more, no more death, no more funerals, no more losing the people that we bond with. The inheritance is also undefiled. God's inheritance is untainted by corruption. And it doesn't cause corruption when you handle it or when you get it. Um, God's world is abundant with wealth, precious stones, stunning architecture, and delicious food and drink. Yet, unlike our world, none of it is ill-gotten. It's uh, cultivated, but it's not stolen. And when you handle this inheritance, it doesn't make you greedy and entitled. It's not a dangerous wealth. It's an undefiled wealth, morally um, incorruptible. Finally, this is unfading, this inheritance. The ravages of time, which normally destroy the wealth that we have through inflation or moth, uh, you know, eating away at it or uh, whatever else will happen with the wealth that we have. Our treasures, you know, they tend to fade in this life. And then also our ability to enjoy the treasures that we have diminish with time as well. But in God's world, our inheritance grows in its value. In fact, much of our inheritance will be a surprise. Isn't that amazing? God has so much planned for us that he hasn't even revealed most of it. Notice in verse 5 what Peter says. Who, he's referring to us who are in Christ, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. God is guarding our inheritance and he's guarding us for the full-blown salvation that we be, will be revealed on that final day. God is exercising his power to shield our inheritance from injustice shield our inheritance from decay, from evil, and from death itself. He's keeping it secure in heaven. And you know what? He's guarding us also so that we can enjoy our inheritance in that final day. Now, here's the interesting point. Something inside of us needs to be prepared for what's coming. And that's what God is doing now. He isn't just guarding our inheritance over here. He's growing our inheritance inside of us, especially as we suffer. Look, let's look at verses 6 and 7. In this, you rejoice. Everything he said in verses 3 through 5, how God is guarding our inheritance. In this, you know, we rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, did you catch what these verses are saying? God is growing the inheritance inside of us, and he's using suffering to do it, the various trials of our life. Peter references gold tested by fire. This was the most precious resource in Peter's day. Gold would be fired at... Um, Believe it or not, 1,600 degrees Fahrenheit. 
which would remove the impurities and remove all of the other metals that gold would get mixed with. Those impurities and metals would be skimmed off the gold, and then it would be a pure bar of gold that you could um, use to secure your wealth. One bar of gold was likely worth more than many people, uh, than most people in Peter's congregation would ever have in their entire lifetime. Yet, at the end of time, Peter says, what will last? Gold tested by fire over here or faith tested by trials over there? When you compare the two, Peter says, it's the latter. This is the one that's going to last. This is the one that's really secure. This is the one that is growing. On the day of our inheritance, my friends, we will have zero regrets for following Jesus in suffering. We will praise him forever for the various trials that we endured. Why? Because trials pass and suffering ends, but the resulting inheritance that grows inside of us will last forever. We will offer it as an offering of praise to the Lord, and he will commend us for it. Peter references praise and glory and honor. And I believe there's two sides to this. On the one hand, there's the praise and glory and honor that we give to Jesus through the suffering of this life that we offer to him in praise and glory and honor. But also the scriptures teach in other places that we are commended by the Lord when he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in little. Now enter into the joy of your inheritance. Here's a testimony from someone in our church. He says this, when have I felt closest to God? When I or someone close to me experiences a medical emergency, or when I or someone close to me loses a job or faces a financial disaster. Material comfort can trick me into thinking I don't need God. But time and time again, God has reminded me that my belongings and my financial mastery are untrustworthy in the face of trials. How about you? What's your testimony? Has God ever strengthened your faith by weakening your bank account? Sometimes, like the testimony above, we don't choose it. Inflation, surprise medical bills, a financial crisis. God can strengthen our faith by providing for us when we lose money and we didn't expect to. Sometimes, though, we do choose it because the Holy Spirit's prompting us to be generous with money that is in our bank account or that isn't yet in our bank account. We choose to be generous with the money and the resources that we have. And God also uses that to strengthen our faith too. For example, let's say there's a Christian family that has felt a call of God to show a lot of gracious, overflowing hospitality, especially to people who cannot return the favor, the widow, the orphan, the poor. And this requires that they diminish the um, amount of vacations that they can go on and the amount of savings that they can have and just the privileges that you can live with in this life. Um, but what happens that over time is that they grow in confidence in God's provision for them. And um, they grow in gratitude for the things that they do have. And there's faith and hope and love that begin to overflow inside of this family that's offering hospitality and the, and the relationships that they have will last forever and the faith that they have will last forever. The Lord will commend this family for bringing all of that into his kingdom and they won't regret anything 
Or what about a small group of Christians in their 20s and 30s that are in a city group together, friends together that pray for the spread of the gospel? And then one of their friends feels called to begin raising support for this very purpose. And so these friends begin to enter into what is unusual in our time, which is some financial transparency about where they're all at financially. And they decide to raise some money, to pool some money to support their friend. And it means that they have less money for restaurants and retirement and recreation. But this very act of sacrifice ushers in a spiritual vitality in this group that will mark the rest of their Christian life. Their friendships and their generosity will outlast this world and it will help form the new one. Or how about a businesswoman who decides to increase her generosity to the Lord and to the needs around her? She battles her anxiety in the process because money in the bank account makes her feel secure. Yet every year, she gives away a greater percentage of her profits. And every time she sees God's provide for her and for her employees. She also commits to following the Holy Spirit's prompting to give money to people spontaneously. And every time, her heart trusts money less and trusts the Father God's generosity more. Her genuine, tested, active faith results in glory and honor on the day when Jesus is revealed. She has something to praise him with and he has something to commend her for. We can rejoice, my friends, when our bank accounts diminish. Because God is always in the business of increasing and preparing in us the inheritance that he has. Money-related stress, whether voluntary or involuntary, is used by God to create spiritual gold inside of us, not only individually, but as a community. He's growing our inheritance, my friends. He's guarding it. He's growing it. And we can enjoy it. We will enjoy it in the life to come, but let's enjoy it now um, because God is inviting us to enjoy it. Peter is inviting us to enjoy it now, to relish it, to cherish it, to celebrate it. Peter ends this section by cheering on his flock to enjoy their inheritance. Verses eight and nine say this, though you have not seen him, Jesus Christ, you love him. Though you do not now see him, You believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. These Christians that he was originally writing to had already lost so much in this life. Land, money, stability, reputation. But clearly they had gained even more, their most precious inheritance, They had gained Jesus Christ. They couldn't see him physically, yet they loved him with all on their heart. They couldn't handle him like they could handle money, but they could rejoice over him. They could partake, in fact, in his heavenly glory. They could gather around the communion table and join with the angels and archangels in this song, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Each of these friends, no matter how impoverished they were from an earthly point of view, could gather around their communion table. And they could bring the coins. They could bring the bread and the wine. They could bring their love and their suffering. They could bring what they had, with what they had to give. And they could say, you are worthy, Lord. 
of all of this and more. You're worthy of my whole life. All things come from you, Lord, and all things exist for you. And so we give you glory. You, Jesus, are the greatest inheritance we have, our greatest joy. You're preparing a place for us and even now have spread a feast for us. You have given us victory over death and evil. Thank you, Jesus. We love you now. We will love you forever. We're going to enjoy you now, and we're going to enjoy you forever. So take these gifts and bless these gifts and break these gifts and distribute these gifts for the life of the world. When we gather, my friends, to worship, we are with them, partaking in our inheritance. We're dipping into it, enjoying it, savoring it, cherishing it, relishing it, relishing him who is our greatest gift, Jesus Christ. The Father's generosity is seen most fully in the giving of his Son, who became poor so that we might become rich. It was the greatest gift that anyone has ever give, given, ever. It was the most precious gift in all of eternity the preciousness of the gift of Jesus Christ will ever be unfolding before our eyes. One powerful way to grow in the love of Jesus is through financial generosity. Pastor and author Randy Alcorn says this, quote, God doesn't need our money, but he does want our hearts. And one way we can show him our love is by being generous with our finances. Now, why is that? Jesus reminds us that where our treasure is in our gospel reading today, where our treasure is, our heart will be also. So when our heart is in a right relationship with Christ, it's going to impact our perspective on money and material possessions. That is, where our money goes, our heart often follows. We can actually do spiritual formation through what we do with our money. And we just imagine for a moment the overflowing joy of our community as we send our money toward Jesus Christ and let our hearts go toward him as well. Can you imagine what would result in our community if that were to happen? Just imagine in your own life, God prompting you financially to give to people that you interact with on a week-to-week basis and it being the exact amount they needed for groceries and being the exact amount they needed for a medical bill. Just imagine sending more missionaries out from our community. Imagine, you know, Tyler and Laura Patty. Imagine a lot more uh, missionaries like them going to other parts of the world, even to suffering places around the world. And, and having so many updates from missionaries that we needed to spread out the Sundays that we had missionary updates because there were so many people all around the world doing amazing gospel ministry. Imagine Acts 2 42 through 47, coming alive like never before in our church, in our city groups and beyond. People sharing their resources with those in need, praying together with vibrant, spiritually vibrant prayers because the hold of money has been loosened and the numbness that can overcome us when we feel secure in money has, has been broken and we are now alive and trusting in God together. Imagine new churches being planted in and around Chicago as we give not only our money, but also our people, which is even harder to let go of. And imagine the day, my friends, when the Lord returns and collects all these moments and all these relationships and all this sacrifice and all this praise 
and commends us for it before the Father and the angels. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a little, Emmanuel Anglican. Now I will trust you with much. So enter into the joy of your inheritance. And we meet the early Christians who first read these precious words from 1 Peter, and we ask them what they sacrificed and how God grew the inheritance in them, and we share our stories too. And we see them unfold together forever in the light and glory of Jesus Christ. My friends, the trials of this life will burn hot. Money will come and go. But thanks be to God, who is in all these things guarding and growing an inheritance for us to enjoy, and it will never fade away. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's take a moment to pray.